welcome to the first ever episode of the Dauntless Dreaming Podcast. I'm your host, Aniket, and today I'm joined by my two friends, Smith Mehta and Risha Patel. Smith is a senior at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, pursuing both the pre-med and business tracks. Risha is also a student at UNC, and he is both an exercise and sports science major, as well as an econ major. I've known both of these guys for a little while now, and they're doing things that most people, whether it be in the South Asian community or in general, wouldn't usually do. But anyway, how are you guys doing? Um, I've been doing good. Um, thanks. Thank you, Aniket, for having us on the podcast. Um, yeah, but I've been doing good. I've been just staying at home for the semester. Um, haven't gone back and um, just been just been studying, doing classes and things like that. Hmm. Same. I mean, well, in terms of I've been doing good as well, but uh, I'm actually back in Chapel Hill. It's not looking too pretty right now, but We'll see what happens in the future. Um, hopefully those that are affected right now in the Chapel Hill community have a healthy recovery and we can try to do our best to stop the spread of this virus. But for me personally, just getting back into this swing of things with school, it's different for everybody right now. So just taking it for what it is and trying to make the best of it. Yeah. Now to, to give a little bit of context, um, for, for UNC Chapel Hill students, at least we just finished our first week of classes and something that's really different compared to any other um, any other years that we've already had four outbreaks of COVID on campus. What do you guys think is going to like happen? I mean, this is only the start, I feel like. Yeah, I, I was actually joking with my friends um, a couple of weeks back, like how soon do we believe that we'll get sent home? Because at the end of the day, it was the inevitable. And um we all said maybe about a month or two and we've struggled to now make it through the first week with four clusters in 72 hours. So the future is very much up in the air um, when we will get sent home if we do, which seems like it's going to happen now is seems sooner than later. Yeah, I agree with Rishab. Um It's just interesting because all the clusters that are happening now are based upon symptoms that or based upon the receiving of the virus two weeks prior and so it'd be interesting to see how what happens at the end of august when like all the students came back on the 10th and now on the 24th i think we'll see what actually happens but um yeah it's 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 crazy to think that there are already four clusters again it, it is it wasn't inevitable but i expected to be i didn't expect it to be this sooner yeah yeah i think let me add one thing on that note I do think it's worth noting that everybody obviously had their qualms with the university's plan for COVID and whatnot, but I do think that they themselves expected there to be cases. And I think everybody expected there to be cases because regardless of if we came back to campus, there was going to be cases in Orange County. Now, with that being said, our return to campus obviously increases the amount first, but two, I think it's important to note that how the university responds to these cases because they obviously have to expect them if you're going to call 30,000 people back to campus. Now, how you respond to them is the important thing. And so far from what initial reports are saying, that response is looking to be a mess already. So we'll see what happens. It's, it's, it'll be interesting to see what UNC's response is. Because as you said, they they might expect to move out half the students and then they might move out the other half later on. But it's really inter- interesting to see. Well, I mean, I think especially like doing move-in, they obviously they phased it out much yeah. earlier than usual this year. They made everybody get an, an an appointment. They started a week out from the first day of classes rather than three or four days before, like usual. 
and they had time so only certain people can move in at certain times that sort of thing but at the end of the day if you're going to have eight kids sharing a bathroom in the case of our sweet style um dorms or a whole hall sharing a big bathroom in the case of our hall style dorms um it only takes one or two people and then infection is on and regardless if they're asymptomatic or not it's obviously a threat to the community because and the professors and the other members of just the chapel hill community that live here and have not, no affiliation with the school it's a threat to their public health as well and so that's the scariest part about it i would say like school has officially started and everybody's trying to adjust to this new this strange new way of learning like either through online classes or these hybrid classes what advice would you guys give to anyone who's never experienced college classes or online college classes for that matter or who've just wanted to you know join a club or socialize i would say at least from the joining a club standpoint i would say the number one thing is just and again everything is online but even even so just getting yourself out there is the most important thing at least for me my first year I did not do that at all um I was pretty reserved and so like I didn't really have the capability to do that um but I think the number one thing is just to get yourself out there start exploring start um investing yourself into different um clubs and organizations and see what they're all about um because you'll you'll find one that you'll enjoy a lot yeah, I agree. Uh, getting yourself out there, whether that be even socially in terms of clubs and organizations or academically or even professionally, I think that's one of the most important things in college in general. And kind of like Smith, I I got involved in a few things freshman year. Like I, I picked up my job at Campus Rec and I got involved with Carolina Fever, which is one of the, the two biggest things that take up my time now. But I still was somewhat reserved and I wasn't putting myself out there in terms of academically or professionally. And I think those things are very important because at the end of the day, networking is very key to any profession and that can propel you to places that you would never have seen yourself. So if you're a freshman, I think getting yourself out there is key. And I know these times are tough, especially with everything being remote and online. But if you're interested in certain things, follow those um, organizations on social media, see what they're posting about, see what they're having if not get in contact with them or get in contact with any of their leaders if you can find them on social media or anything like that and just get out there and same thing with the professors go to office hours talk to them if they're a professor that you enjoy or a professor in a field that you are trying to get into etc so just get out there don't be afraid everybody here is dealing with the same things in terms of covid and everybody in the Carolina community for the most part is there for you. So just get out there. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Anika, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, Smith, you're like on the board of like five different organizations on <laughs> campus. I mean, you're probably the most popular just Indian guy no. at UNC. <laughs> so, like, okay. so just appreciate it. Yeah. So j- just given like your position, right. How, how have your different organizations just, been uh, coping with the pandemic and how can kids uh, get active right now well at least this year I've definitely taken a step back in terms of um, being a part of a, like, a lot of organizations so right now I'm part of um, I'm president for Sangam and then um, I also joined um, one of the dance teams Tahu Ross and so um, those two are basically like on my 
on my mind right now. But if, for students who really want to get in, into organizations, I think the best way is to def, just attend those interest meetings and get yourself out there. Like instead, like I know a lot of freshmen um, tend to just like be reserved and like they just sit in the Zoom call and really don't talk. But um, just honestly just like talking just talking about random stuff especially in those interest meetings and uh, networking like Rishabh said is most important talking to the uh, upperclassmen getting getting the numbers and things like that that can propel you to like things that you'll never see and I think that's the most important thing and I, like I would say honestly do something you're passionate about like I remember I think sophomore year I joined like random random clubs and I did it for for the resume but um, I honestly just, I just got out of those clubs because I didn't feel like I was passionate about it. I was just not doing it, the work that it needed to be. And like, I found other clubs that I was passionate about and you can clearly see that through some of progressions. So you guys are very involved in the UNC community. What organizations are you involved in and what do your roles entail? Uh, Rishab, do you want to go first on this one? Uh, yes. So currently, um, the two things that take up most of my time is my role in Carolina Fever and uh, my actual job um, with UNC Campus Recreation. So to start with Carolina Fever. Um, Carolina Fever, for those who don't know, is the largest student-run organization on campus. And basically our role is to get students out to um, sporting events, um, mainly the non-revenue sports, and also run the point system for our ticket lotteries uh, here at UNC for football and basketball tickets. Um, so I, growing up, I've always had a passion in Carolina athletics. Um, I was just a UNC fan since I was a kid. Uh, I always wanted to go to Carolina. And so my sisters always told me about this group called Fever. They do the point system and they always got have prizes for points and all of those sorts of things. So I was already interested. And my freshman year, I applied to become a Fever director. There's only about 25 of them for the 10,000 10, people organization. And I applied and I got in. And last year, um, I was a fundraising and special events director. And so this year um, I'm vice president of the organization. And basically my jobs currently entail um, keeping track of our directors um, and our finances internally and just working with the cabinet in order to find ways for Fever to um, operate throughout this pandemic. Obviously we can't really do much with no sporting events and obviously with no gatherings, but we're working with athletics to find creative ways um, to get students involved and still allow students to earn points in the case of there being a basketball season or anything like that, or if there is somehow a football season to get that may have students, fans or whatever, um, allow students to go to those through using our point system. So just trying to stay afloat in that, but that takes up usually a lot of my time. And then I also work for Campus Rec. I start off as a sports official referee, and I still do that, but I was recently promoted to supervisor last semester, and um, I love it. It's great. It's a pretty chill way to make some money on the side, um, and it's a good way to get some stress out. Sometimes it is stressful with 
players yelling in your face and stuff like that, but very flexible job. Uh, if you're looking for a good on-campus job, I highly recommend. So yeah, those are my two biggest things. Um, involved in a few other clubs, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so at least for me, um, I'm the co-president for Sangam. And if you don't, obviously don't know what Sangam is, it's the largest South Asian organization on campus. And I think it's the second largest cultural organization on campus. And what, what we do is we program and create events um, that sort of target like uh, the South Asian community, whether it be through um, awareness, like South Asian affairs, um, and even have um, social events that sort of encourage bonding as well. And what we're trying to do is just to bring together the South Asian community through events. Um, and it's a fun time. And we fundraise for the Mahatma Gandhi Foundation um, or fellowship, which is a nonprofit that sends undergraduate students or graduate students to India or to any other South Asian country to fulfill or mitigate issues um, in the South Asian community. And they get like a stipend and it's a really cool opportunity. And the second thing I'm a part of is uh, actually, uh, like not that many people know about it, but part of the dance team to harass. And we basically, um, obviously this year is a bit different due to COVID, but we usually have like practice. Uh, we had virtual practice over the summer and we're still continuing to practice. And basically it's um, a Gerber Ross team. And yeah, it's pretty fun. Um, pretty much it for, for me for this year. This whole topic, it kind of leads into my next question. What advice would you guys give to someone who hasn't discovered what interests them or is afraid to take a path that's less traveled, whether it be because of cultural pressures or because of just, you know, fear of the unknown? So at the end of the day, you just have to put yourself out there and doing the unknown and trying new things is hard. But if you're trying to find what you're passionate in, kind of like Smith alluded to earlier, just join a bunch of things, get on those listservs initially, your freshman year. Obviously, they haven't had Fall Fest this year, but join listservs, follow them on Instagram, follow them on Twitter, a bunch of organizations that may seem appealing to you. Um, and obviously, talk to your friends as well, and you might find an organization from them as them too. But just keep track of those organizations, get in their communication loops, and just try to figure out what you like, what you don't like and go from there. And if there's something that is the university doesn't have a club for or something, make it yourself. I guarantee you that you're not the only one that has those similar interests. Um, if you believe that you have like niche interests or anything like that and other people, I guarantee you're also in the same boat as you. So if there's something that you want to do, make it happen. And I think that that idea also goes to professionally too, like, you don't necessarily have to do what other people like culturally or anything like that may say or to do if you don't have passion in it, like chase your passions and try to blaze your own trail in terms of that. I think another thing you have to realize is especially in a field that you, if you're afraid that there's not a lot of people that look like you or come from your background, as scary and daunting as that is initially, that's actually a great asset for me personally. That's been, a big thing and as I'm trying to do something in sport administration and sports business and the financial side of sports, there's not a lot of Indian people there right now. Um, most like Indians obviously and South Asians are highly concentrated in the medical field, business and um, things of that sort. And for me, I always wanted to do medicine growing up, but then I realized like I couldn't put myself through school for that long. And that's what 
really led me away for more than anything. And sports was always my passion on the side, but I never saw it as a career really until I got to college. And that's where things started to change. And I realized that it was scary at first, not having people that look like you, especially in a field where networking is so big and it's so much about who you know in order to get those jobs at the higher level and stuff like that. But I remember talking to one of my professors um, one day. I took her intro to sport administration class, EXSS 221. And we were talking about, I was applying to this internship and we were talking about my resume. And I was like, professor, like I just struggled. The one thing I struggle with is like not having people that I can relate to in the field, not having connections in the field necessarily from family or friends or anything like that. And she said, that's scary. But at the same time, you being an Indian child, first generation student, children of immigrants, you bring a perspective in this field that nobody else or very few other people can. And so you just have to realize that your perceived weaknesses can be turned into your assets just as quickly. And I think that's the biggest thing about trying new things and blazing your own trail. Yeah, no, and kind of like to build on that, right? I mean, when I first came to UNC, I wasn't completely set on going down pre-med. Some of my friends will tell you that actually I was planning on pursuing a similar path to Smith. I was planning on being pre-biz and pre-med, but then everybody was like, Oh no, that's, that's like ridiculously hard. I was like, yeah, I mean, I can see that. I can also see myself like, I don't see myself doing both in depth. Right. So I I was like, okay, I'll do one or the other. And then, so sophomore year, I kind of decided on um, pre-med but I didn't want to go down the basic routes of like, you know, a chemistry major or a bio major, because me personally, I didn't enjoy chemistry that much. And as much as I like biology, I just felt like both of those majors kind of focused more on those subjects specifically than in like the medicine aspect. Right. So after like, you know, doing some digging and speaking with some friends, I found about the exercise and sports science major, which is, I think it's, it's like a great experience just because while you're taking these um, core requirements for med schools, you're also actually learning some of the stuff behind it. So, you know, you learn more about the human body, the physiology, the psychology through EXSS than you probably would through um, pre-med classes. You know, Smith, your, your path was really different. Like how's, how's your experience been just like trying to juggle time, you know, between hard classes and all the clubs? Right, yeah. So I'll, I'll just start off, like, from the beginning, like, of why I chose this path. So, like, I actually really loved business ever since, like, I was little. Um, And, like, my passion for business definitely increased. Actually, watching Shark Tank is kind of crazy because, like, I would always watch every episode. And then my passion for business would always increase. And there was a time where I just wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, that's my only goal. But then, obviously, um, obviously, growing up in a South Asian household, you know, how... Um, it's it's kind of interesting to see how they don't really view that path as lucrative, I guess, in 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 the short term. But um, I I looked up medicine in high school. I I tried it out and I actually enjoyed it. I, I took anatomy in high school, um, and I enjoyed my science classes. Actually, it was, it was really it was really fun to um, learn about those. But I had a I had a choice in uh, when I went to college whether to do either business or either medicine or do both. And obviously when I started my freshman year, I'm like, okay, I'll just do both. Like it shouldn't be too bad. And then after my freshman year, I applied to the B school. Um, thankfully I got in and then I had like a really like deep conversation with one, one, like one of my friends. And then I was like, 
should I should I still continue pre-med or should I just not do business even because there's a time where I was like I should not even do the application and then I told myself I really do love business I really do love medicine is there a possible connection between them and I looked up some stuff and I saw health policy management and then I saw you know you could have your own private practice and clinics and things like that and I'm like that that seems really cool and um that's basically what I what I chose and I still I still have the decision not to do it but after going after becoming after being a senior now like I can definitely see it being um a very interesting career because not that many people do it and most importantly um it's something I'm passionate about passionate about both subjects I definitely I've I've like looked at other subjects and I just don't have I just don't have passion for it as much as I have passion for these two. And this go this sort of like refers to who are listening to this. Um just basically dare to do something different, right? Um you don't don't always conform to whatever society gives you, like Vishab, right? Like he would think about doing medicine, but now he wants to do sports, um, entertainment and things of that nature. And that's something that's really cool and um different and I think that's the most important thing to get out of this. And so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean... Yeah, I mean oh, wait, go ahead. Honey. You got it, Rishu. Uh To follow up on that and doing something different, um, I guess I'll add a little more context to what I alluded to earlier. So growing up, uh, I said, like I said, I always wanted to do medicine. Um, not necessarily that because that's what, like, Indian parents kind of put on to you because always, like, medicine, engineering, or business, but, like, I, I really genuinely wanted to do that. I enjoyed chemistry. I still really like chemistry. Um, but, and like, I wanted to do orthopedic medicine, orthopedic surgery. Um, really, like, I thought I really wanted to do that even throughout my senior year of high school. Um, and I thought I wanted to do sports medicine. Um, sports business and what I'm doing now was always plan B, but I never really saw it as something serious, for se. I never took it as a serious plan B. But around senior year of high school, towards the end, um, I really started having doubts of whether I could see myself doing school for that long in terms of doing medicine. So obviously the four years undergrad and then additional four years in med school and from there on residency and all. So basically you're looking at 12, 13 year process by the time you're actually able to practice orthopedic surgery. And I just, I was having doubts about that. And so I came into my freshman year. Um, I was an EXSS major because that's the major I wanted to do if I did medicine. Um, I was going to do the general track, kind of like Anikith alluded to. Um, I was going to do the general track and do that if I did medicine. Um, my sister actually did the same thing, and now she's in optometry school. But um, it was actually convenient because sport administration is also another track under the same major. So I just had to choose a track. So I come into freshman year thinking like, okay, I'm just going to see what I think of the academia or the academic level in college and that level up and see how I adjust to it, what I see myself doing and stuff like that. And around towards in the middle of second semester, my freshman year, I was like, I really was like, okay, I don't think medicine is for me um, in terms of the time and the act like commitment. Um, and I, I, I enjoy medicine, but I didn't have enough passion in it as compared to sports business as I thought I did. Um, and that's what really allowed me to switch. And it was really hard kind of telling, like, I thought it would be a very hard conversation telling my parents, but it really wasn't like they were really understanding and they, they knew that I took the time to actually explore and think it out. And that's the way I, I portrayed it to them and presented to them that way as well. But 
they really were understanding and they they understood where I was coming from. And that was, that was really daunting initially, but I'm really grateful it turned out that way. And then, so I switched to sport administration about March of my freshman year. And then in the fall of my sophomore year in October, I picked up economics as a second major. It's the shortest major at our school. And so it was a perfect fit in terms of what I want to do for financial side of sports, sports business. And yeah, so that's, that's basically my journey. Um, kind of more drawn out than I alluded to earlier. No, that kind of reminded me, um, like, even though I am pre-med, I still have a lot of interest within business. Like, um, you know, I have these crazy ideas all the time. Like Smith, Smith knows about it and Rishabh too a little bit now with this whole podcast and whatnot. But um, I'm always scheming. I'm always thinking because although I want to pursue medicine, I understand that it's not a, a sprint. It's a marathon. So I'm just like finding things around medicine that interest me. It might not directly be with medicine. It could be something related to chemistry or biology. Um, like, for example, this this past summer, I did a lot with um, hydroponics and gardening just learning how, you know, what chemicals uh, influence plant growth and whatnot. And it's just something that I picked up on the side, just like as a hobby. So e- even though like I'm EXSS pre-med, right? I think the big takeaway is that I don't think your major defines you. So like, yes, you can go down chem, uh, you know, a chemistry major or bio major or an EXSS major. But I, I think um, like in today's society, people have to think, think of new ways, innovative ways to, um, you know, keep themselves active. Cause I think a lot of times we have so much downtime, but we just don't know what to do with it. And, you know, just being around you guys, being around friends who've, you know, had different ideas, different thoughts, it really just helps to, you know, grow and think differently about things. But yeah, that's, that's just my take. Uh, Smith, you were about to say something. Yeah. So like, um, this sort of comes back towards time management, right? Um, how are we able to do all these things? Like, obviously pursue our majors and pursue side passions as well and i think that comes down to sort of your mindset right because i think we should alluded to this as well he um we should always strive to go from a fixed to a growth mindset at least for me freshman year i was a pretty fixed mindset i was like i want to do this um this is how i'm going to do it i really didn't care about many people's opinions at that time uh, but as i grew as i got older as i've gone through college and especially the journey uh, I've learned to have a growth mindset and take other people's opinions and sort of not necessarily take them all the time, but maybe even criticize them as well. Think about why, why my reasoning is right or why their reasoning is right. I think that's really important because that is that made essentially makes me who I am today. And to go back to time management, I think it's tough, especially because of COVID. We obviously have a lot more downtime with. Um, not many people doing extracurriculars and not pursuing side passions, just focusing on classes. But I think sort of rerouting that time to uh, to essentially pursue those side passions. Because in the end, like what you, any kid, what you were saying, you always have these um, business ideas and things like that. And some of them might have failed. Some of them are succeeding. It's all it's all about pursuing them, regardless of whether you succeed or fail because in the end you're learning from it you're growing from it and so I think just in sort of a micro standpoint um I I think just waking up early is honestly one of the best things I've done it just gives me so much time in the morning to do my classwork 
And then um, later on, I would study uh, for my classes. And then I would have so much time in the evening just to pursue my side passions, enjoy with family, enjoy with friends and things like that. And I feel like a lot of college students, they they get in the mind, like even me personally, like I, I would sleep late. I would sleep like 1, 2 a.m., wake up at like 10 or 11 a.m. And I would be like, I, I would feel, I wouldn't feel too good about it because then I'm like, oh, like I just missed lunch, I missed breakfast and things like that. But I think number one thing is just start waking up early um, and start planning out your day. No, that's kind of funny to bring that up because like I, I was just, uh, I just remembered my freshman year and it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I'd sleep at three o'clock, wake up at like 11. I mean, there was a good chance every day that I'd miss maybe my first class of the day, which is, which is pretty bad. I mean, for a freshman, like I was just trying to get my footing, you know, and you know, the second semester of my freshman year, I really fixed everything up and, you know, woke up on time, hit the gym, exercised, ate, ate right, didn't skip meals and whatnot. I mean, obviously those might not be problems for someone that's staying at home. Um, to build on, I think this idea of growth is a very good idea to talk about, especially in this time where things have been uh, different for five months now. This idea of growth, like how have you or tried to grow yourself in this time? Obviously, everything is different, but like I think overall, the idea of growth is very important in any walk of life, whether that be academically, professionally, socially, all of those things. Um, first, I think like Smith alluded to, this isn't easy. Everybody makes mistakes. We all have our hardships, um, whether that be in school, like we've all super stressed out about classes, um, semester in, semester out. Um, we have bad exams, bad assignments, like bad, like things happen, but how you respond to them and how you rebound from them and grow and learn from them is what is truly crucial. Um, how you change your study plan, how you change your habits, such as sleeping in or your lifestyle to respond to those is what is crucial. And I think in terms of academics, that's how that is. But even in growth, like in this time off, have you or tried to do something in order to just better yourself? Because in terms of the professional world, um, what I've realized in my time at my internship currently is that and I sometimes feel guilty because it's like, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough sometimes compared to the people around me. But you always just see like my peers, like they're always doing something or a lot of people are always doing something to better themselves, whether it be picking up a new skill, like something small is just learning how to do to make themselves more approachable in person or make themselves a better candidate for jobs, make themselves a better student. Um, and that's something I've really drawn inspiration from my peers as well right now is just seeing other people trying better ways to grow and just always trying to evolve, always trying to better yourself. And I think that's one thing that will always help anybody stay on top of their game in any field or walk of life. Yeah. And kind of to build on that, something that you alluded to was just, you're talking about how you shouldn't focus too much on your grades. Like it's very important, but at the same time, you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't be taxing on, you know, your emotions or your mental state. Um, one thing that I learned was that when you first come to college, I mean, that first, uh, you know, those first grades that you get on those exams, I mean, they look nothing. <laughs> and I, I mean, nothing <laughs> like what you probably saw in high school. And, you know, you grow from that. And each class is a different experience. It's not like once you figured it out, it's the same for all classes. Like even now, I'll see a bad grade every now and then. 
But what I've kind of learned is that, okay, I mean, I got a bad grade, big deal. I mean, just move on from it. There's nothing you can do. Just work harder the next time. And I think that's just like a valuable lesson that any incoming freshman could really use. Because I remember last year, um, one of my friends who was a year younger than me, when he came in, uh, he took some really hard chemistry classes because he was, um, I think he came in with a lot of credits. So he was taking analytical chemistry, which at UNC is pretty difficult and most like sophomores or juniors take, but he was taking it as a freshman. Um, basically, he, his grades didn't turn out the way that he thought they would. And I just told him, bro, it's, it's hard. I mean, you're in one of the best universities in the state, possibly the country. I mean, it's not a big deal. I mean, when you look back at it 10 years from now, I mean, you won't even remember this grade. Um, so while grades are important, I just like to emphasize that, you know, those connections, um, doing club organizational stuff and just trying to build your person as, as a whole is kind of what you should be aiming for. Not exactly what letter you get assigned at the end of a semester or at the, or like what number you get at the end of your four years. Yes, I mean, 100%. That brings me to tie this into like the South Asian Indian community where grades are so emphasized by our parents for generations. And yes, they're important. And doing well academically is surely important. Um, your education is key. But learning those soft skills is just as important for professions. Like if you go to apply for a job, they'll see that you have a degree from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill no matter what. Yes, they master your GPA and transcript, but you do have a degree from your institution regardless, then that's one. And two, an interview or any sort of speaking engagement or an essay or a resume to apply, it doesn't necessarily matter how well you did in this class, how well I did in Econ 410, how well I did in Orgo, Orgo or how well I did in Bio 202 or whatever that class may be. All of those things you've got to learn in order to like make yourself a better applicant for whatever you're applying to and those have nothing to do with grades and building those connections is obviously important for professions as well and you could do that from organizations and all talking about all this networking kind of reminded me about how i met you guys um yeah. do, you, do you guys remember i, I know smith remembers Ooh. but risha remember when i first met you <laughs> I definitely uh, don't remember, bro. <laughs> so I, I first met Anike playing basketball um, at Fetzer. Bro, that, that's the same with Smith, dog. I, I met both um, of you guys when we were playing <gasps> Brown Boys oh, basketball. Oh, I yeah. remember. I played. I know I, uh, I'd asked Smith uh, if he was going to play basketball because he always told us about, like, told me and a few of my other friends about, um, oh, yeah, we put basketball on Fridays. And I was like, well, it's out of the whim, like, let me just let me just text me. It's like, are y'all playing this week? And he's like, yeah, we're playing in Fetzer at like four. You should come through. And so I did. And that's how I met Anikit the first time. And then the next semester um, in the spring of both our sophomore years, we ended up having a class together in which we were in the same group. So then we've been keeping in touch ever since. And Bro, I, I met Smith my freshman year. Um, he was a mutual <laughs> friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, bro. I mean, it's kind of funny. I remember you were like going on about how you're Draymond Green of the team. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody needs one of those. But yeah, I mean, for for context, um, Brown Boys Basketball is this um this group that we have going on at our campus with like a hundred, two hundred students, 
And it's just like, you know, a recreational thing. We just meet every Friday or like once a week and just, you know, de-stress, hang out. And honestly, I think I've built more connections from that one group, thanks to Smith, than uh, any other group that I've been on at UNC. Yeah, no, honestly, I'm like, I'm honestly so like, I don't know what the right word is, but just like satisfied in a sense. Because like when I started that group chat, dude, it was like sophomore year. And it was just between me and like some, like four other people. And <laughs> <laughs> me and four other people. For, for anybody was, that didn't see that, uh, Rishabh just texted in the chat. He was, he's not in the group. <laughs> yeah, wait, Rishabh, you are in the group. Nah, yeah, wait, are you, wait, let me, are you in the group, Rishabh? In the group? No, I'm not in there. No, 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 no. Well, I only no, played no, the no. one time with you guys, so. I mean, no, it's no, more no, of no, like no. a like a Reddit page kind of deal now, where we just like yeah. argue about you're the tripping, NBA and stuff. Bro, you're tripping. Yeah, I'll, well, I only played. Yeah, I only played the one time, and then. Um, oh yeah. no, you're not in the. Oh, I just added you. I just added you. Yeah, but, but, but let's but go. Any, let's go. <laughs> yeah, but like anyway, um, but but Brown boys basketball, right? Um, what's kind of funny is that you know, none of us are really that good at basketball. And Smith was saying about how it's satisfying. Oh, well, I mean, no shots, no shots, right? No shots. I know, I know someone's going to roast me in the comments, but anyway, um, what was funny is that like, when you said satisfying, I, it immediately clicked with me just because, you know, whenever we played, it wasn't like, okay, who's, who's beating who? Not all the time. It was more of just like, you know, playing around at least at first. I remember those first couple of years, it was just like us playing around, shooting crazy shots, whatnot. Yeah. It did get a little bit more competitive, but I still, yeah. I still think it has that, like, you know, that same effect on me as it did freshman year. Definitely. Um, yeah, dude, I'm just, like, super glad that y'all are finding that group to be more than just a group just to play basketball. Y'all are actually making connections and friendships out of it. And that's what I wanted when I – like began the group. I just started adding people. I was like, you know what, this pop, this guy might want to play basketball. You know, let me invite this guy. Let me invite that guy. And I was like, this might be made into something. And I was like, cool. And then it's honestly an amazing group today. And like, I'm thankful for the, like that sort of spark I had sophomore year. I was like, you know what, let's just create a group chat. So. How do you guys feel about this upcoming uh, playoff season? Yo. Actually, no, I'm going to let Risha talk first. Um, I, mean, I don't really have much to say. I'm just like, excited. Like, it's cool. It's cool to see playoff basketball right now, uh, especially with all that's going on in the world. I think um, just a good way to get some time away from whether it be COVID or um, – our current political climate or social injustice, those sorts of things. And also to see the players express their views on those things. Um, it's really great to see. And yeah, I'm just excited, excited to see what these, uh, these series are going to entail. Yo, I mean, what, one thing that I found really interesting is just how in the forefront the NBA has been. So like, um, of course with black lives matter, but also like, um, how they've dealt with COVID. I mean, the whole bubble system, it's really worked. And you can see that across multiple sports, whether that be like in the English Premier League, in soccer or whatnot. And I think we can all just like take away from that. It'll be interesting to see how the NFL goes about handling their business. The the thing about the bubble is though, 
Um, I don't think the Premier League is necessarily a good comparison because England, their whole their whole healthcare system is obviously completely different because they have the NHS and that's a big part of their response. Um, in America, obviously, we don't have a socialized healthcare system and national healthcare system yeah. in terms of response, and that's why we've got or we've we have guidance coming from our governors, not the president or any or the even though the CDC has guidelines, you, you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, and obviously their COVID situation is not nearly as seriously as ours. So that's how they were able to travel around England and, and finish their season. And same with the other European nations. And obviously now they're doing a, uh, they're doing a little bubble now in Lisbon for the champions league, but um, the NBA, the bubble was, I think had a price tag $1.2 billion. It, it was a big price tag. And, yeah, like you said, Adam Silver, commendable job um, organizing that. Because initially when that came out, it was like, okay, this can't really work, right? And they've had no positive tests. They've done great jobs with guys leaving, guys coming back and making sure that they follow protocols. Um, and the same can be said for the MLS. They obviously just finished their season. And same for the NHL. They're also in a bubble and their season's going great right now. They're in the playoffs and um, there's no positive test there either. but obviously we see what's happening in the MLB because they're not doing a bubble and they're having positive tests um, coming in every few days. It was the Marlins at first and the Phillies and then the Cardinals. And like you said, the NHL will be, I mean, the NFL will be interesting because they're not planning to do a bubble. Teams are back in camp right now and there are some positives on some teams. So with no bubble, I don't, I, I personally can't see a league succeeding without positive tests, without a bubble. Um, And the NFL, especially, that's dangerous because you're literally trading, trading sweat in the trenches, the O-line and the D-line, are, and it's the most contact sport out of all the American sports outside of maybe hockey or similar to hockey. But at least hockey, you've got um, padding and your jersey and stuff for covering everything, And but at least they're in a bubble, so it should be interesting. Yeah. Anyway, I think we got a little sidetracked there, but kind of to finish it off um... – what are you guys' predictions for these uh, NBA playoffs? Um, as much as I want to say Lakers, um, I think they obviously have a great chance of winning the entire thing. But I honestly think uh, Raptors have a really good shot. Like I, again, like, I think I said this in the group chat, but they have, like, a really in-depth roster. They don't necessarily have, like, a huge outstanding player. Um, I guess other mentions would be – Rockets, maybe. Obviously, I'm like I'm not. Bro, a, come uh, on, man. <laughs> People are gonna hate maybe. me for this, but again, I, I think size does matter at the end of the day in basketball. And if you don't have any seven footers and you're playing the likes of the Lakers and whatnot, anyway, that's just my take. I mean, I, so I think, think Bucks. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Bucks. Um, if not the Bucks, I'd like the Lakers to win. But reason would say that you know pro- the the Clippers are probably gonna be the ones to go to the finals. That's what, yeah, probably. Those are like what's predicted. So, yeah. Yeah. Risha, what do you think? Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think I think Milwaukee's the best team in the East. Now, will they get out? Uh, right now, I'd say yes. But Boston and Toronto are very good, and Miami is a good sleeper. I don't think Miami will make it out, but Miami could make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I could totally see that. They're a very deep team, a lot of young players, and – but I think Milwaukee will make it out the East as of now. And um, Giannis is playing amazing. 
right now. So, and then going to the West, uh, I think Oklahoma City will push Houston to seven in the first first series. Um, very slept on team. CP3 is having a great year. Shy Gillis Alexander, same with him. And I, I think the Lakers, they've they've just been very shaky in the bubble. I'd, I'd expected more from them and LeBron. Hopefully they'll turn on in the in the playoffs. But right now my pick out the West would probably be the Clippers. Um, they're the deepest team. They they do lack interior depth compared to the Lakers, but they have so many guys they can bring at you. And Matras Harrell has barely even played this whole whole bubble run. So right now the Clippers, um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, this was all really good conversation. We covered a lot of topics from how to be successful in a college environment to how we met each other through basketball. Uh, thank you guys for being on the show, and I hope all of you listening enjoyed the first ever episode of the Dauntless Streaming Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Smith or Rishab and the clubs or organizations they're involved in at UNC, or just want to learn more about Dauntless Dreaming, all links will be in the description. Thank you, and we'll see you next week. Oh my god. That was good. That was good.